Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalon. Really, like. But there has been, I'm pretty sure there has been some people who have met and married from Tinder. I just think that if you're on Tinder or a dating site like that, you're probably going to keep the app for much longer as a backup just in case it doesn't work out. I I think I would probably do that. So if you were in a loving, caring relationship, you'd still have that there, like break glass in case of emergency. I think I'd probably eventually delete it if I was, you know, if this person prove themselves to me that they were definitely the right one to choose. But, I mean, you get with someone, you've just talked to maybe, I don't know how many people talk to each other on Tinder at a time, but say 10 people, you're kind of back and forth talking. And then you pick one person that you get on with and then you start seeing them. Would you not be a little bit inquisitive and go, I wonder what that other person was like, though? Yeah, it's it's nearly, what's that, um, you've you've too much selection, you've too much choice, which always does your head in. Back in the day, but if when you, you met just someone to, naturally, yeah, like yeah. if you met someone naturally, you don't have that temptation. <sighs> yeah, but we should move back to just arranged marriages between you know families, and that you've no choice in the matter, and just listen, just deal with it. That's it. Yeah, definitely. Well, there what is a time frame, by the way. There is a a specific time that you should delete the app altogether if you've met somebody. So there's probably people listening right now that maybe have met someone. Mm. on Tinder the last while and they're unsure whether to bring this up with their partner. That's a good point because if you both you've, uh, you've both met on Tinder, right? So you obviously then know that both of you obviously have Tinder and mm. then you start dating. So you both probably know in the back of your minds that you're probably messaging a couple of other people on Tinder. I'm still messaging a couple of other people on Tinder keeping, as you said, plan B's there just in case this doesn't work out. But maybe it develops and it and it goes on and you start dating and you might become official. Yeah, when do you delete Tinder? Is that a conversation you have to have now with your other half, with a, a partner that it's like, so why are you still on Tinder? Yeah, you probably would have to have that conversation. Now, I think that if you've deleted it, you're going to be wondering whether he has... Whereas if you were still on it, you could see if he was still active, surely, if you were, if, if you had been chatting to him already. So mm. how do you find out? And you don't want to be that type of um, stage five clinger where <laughs> you want to see their phone after two days. So I don't, so know, then, I don't know when you're meant to, to bring it up, but there is a time frame that it should be done without even having to have the conversation about it, that they should have just wiped it off. Ah, this is back to the old uh, female brain where they should just know without ever having said anything. 
you shouldn't have to be told, though. I mean, if you're seeing a girl for a few weeks, you know, you're meeting up with her every weekend or you're talking every night, why would you have your Tinder? Why would you still have that there? Because she never said to delete it. That would be the guy's excuse. Or didn't think you didn't think you wanted me. You never said to. I wasn't using it. Or was just using it a bit. Like, are we official? We've been married fifteen years. You, oh, you, you never said. <laughs> Welcome to oh, man brain. So bad. But any idea how long you should wait till you delete the app? Three months. Th- three months. Are you joking? Yeah. From the time you start dating. Three months. Probably three months because you know by three months whether you're you're exclusive and serious and together or not. Hang on a second. Within three months, if you're seeing someone, are you saying that you would still use Tinder or be active on it? So you're seeing a girl, you're meeting up with her, going for dinner, cinema, maybe trips away at that stage, and you're still on Tinder. In In the hypothetical world of single Cormac, yes. Oh my God, you're way off. Hang on, three months is no time at all. You probably haven't even oh, met her parents by that, by, by that stage. And you probably no. haven't gone. I mean, three months is a bit, bit early to be going away on trips as well, I think. Fair enough. It might be a little bit early to go on, on trips away. But, you know, you've gotten to know this person. You're meeting up with them kind regularly of. and you're talking you to them, them regularly. You see them once or twice a week. So three months, what, 12 weeks, you've seen them 20 times. That's a lot, though. Is it, though? 20 days. It is, it is if, you're, if you're actually talking to other girls and entertaining other girls while leading this other person on. You're not, you're not leading them on. If you have not sat down and had the conversation that, okay, we're exclusively together and we're not seeing anyone else and you're still dating for three months, which a lot of people do, then yeah, what's the problem? Okay, but if you're only kind of seeing her, so you weren't spending your weekends with two different women, you were seeing the same girl... Surely you yeah. know without having to put a, a label on it. Like, there comes a time when you get a bit older when you're going out with people or you're starting to see people. You don't have an official, we went out on this date this year. Now we're boyfriend and girlfriend. You don't really have that. It just happens naturally, doesn't it? No, it doesn't. This is the woman's lack of communicating clearly what she wants. No, it's not. It's just being an adult. So What's you like? assume that you don't have to sit down and go, so are we boyfriend and girlfriend now? You have to have that conversation. But what, that must be an awkward conversation when you're 47 because it just sounds wrong as a 47-year-old, <laughs> I'm sure, to say that. Well, Are you my, my boyfriend? boyfriend? Hello? <laughs> there is a period of time that you should delete your Tinder app if you've met somebody that you like, that you're committing to. And I mean committing to as in you're not going around sleeping with Tom, Dick and Harry. You're just seeing her or him. And it's not Hello. three months. That's it way six off. Months. It was probably six months. I was coming in a little low, wasn't I? No, you're way like four high. years. You need to have an exit plan for the first four years of any relationship because you have no, way, you have no idea where it's going to go. Exit plan. An exit strategy, yeah. You can have multiple exit strategies. One, you're in a relationship and you get married. One, you're in a relationship and that relationship unfortunately doesn't work out, so you've got to leave. But no, I don't, don't know what Tinder's like. Could you... Um go back onto my profile, would everything still be the same or have you got to set up a new one? I, th- I, I think I did works. delete it. Yeah, I think I did delete, delete it. So I'm sure you can deactivate it or delete it altogether. I don't know. I'm sure you, you, you have options there, but I'm talking about completely deleting it. It's not three months. It's not six months. It's a lot less than that. What is it, like three weeks? 
It's two weeks. Ah, would you cop on this? So they say after two weeks, you should show the person respect by deleting the app. And if you don't, then you're just fearing that you're going to be left on your own. And a lot of people keep it for just in case, which is said to be... What's wrong with that? No, it's an insurance that's a selfish, it's pure selfish. You should take out health insurance, you should take out car insurance, house insurance, and like uh, romantic insurance. That's what it is. Do you know what's really funny as well? You know the app Grinder. Yeah. Apparently there's a new thing on that now where guys are writing, give me a reason to delete the app. That's on their bio. Give me a reason to delete the app. And you'd be like, well, there's significant privacy concerns and now with the new GDPR laws that are in place, you're not going to lay doing that either. So hang on, was this piece of information and this advice, was this written by a woman? No, it actually wasn't. It was written by a man. Don't believe you. This is a lie. You're lying to me, Esther Shim. I swear to God. You delete dating apps when you start making plans over the two-week mark. Don't believe that for a second. That's a massive lie. And I think, was this a joke? Was this a silly website? Was this the onion you were reading this on? No, it wasn't. And you know what? Maybe you should never go on Tinder because if you're going to keep your, you know, keep your profile active for six months or three months, you're seeing someone. That's horrible. Think about that. That's like pretty much the end of the month coming up to Christmas. The amount you'd have done and got to know that person in three months. And all along, you're swiping, swiping left and right. You mightn't even be swiping. You might just have her. You're not keeping Tinder just to have on your phone. You're going for a sneaky look to see if there's anything better. You might just be, well, you know, it's the same thing. You're probably on Instagram doing the exact same thing in TikTok, which is just like a a strip dancing or a pole dancing platform now, pretty much. Yeah, Um, but at least Instagram, Instagram and TikTok are not dating sites, so you oh, might be able to see them beautiful as they people. Slide into the DMs and go, "Hello." <laughs> they do, how are but you? there's some people that will be on them, and uh, you know, you might get a creepy or message. Just for the content, you. just but, for yeah, a few recipes. You're, yeah. you're not going to reply. Whereas if you're on Tinder as a guy or a girl, you're actively looking for someone. <sighs> tut tut, tut tut, indeed. Two weeks, though. Apparently, that's when you are meant to delete. If you're seeing somebody dating somebody for two weeks. And you've been on, that's like two dates. That's after two dates you're meant to delete the app. Not a chance in hell. Because usually um, on Tinder you would meet whatever amount of people that you'll, you'll. I don't know, I've never been on it. I've never met people because no one turned up for my date. But if I was to meet people, you know, you're, you're going for coffee and you know straight away whether you connect with someone or not. So if it doesn't work out, you're not going to go on a second date. No one really goes on a second date. And then after that, they decide not to continue it on. You usually yeah, know within the on, first... Like, second and third dates with people and it just didn't go anywhere. Really? Yeah. I, I tend to know very quickly. I wouldn't give them the time of day. Listen, I knew very quickly as well, but there was other benefits involved that we just kept it going on, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, listen, we both know this isn't going anywhere, but, you know. Yeah. Got needs. Uh, Brenda has said, uh, one of my best friends met her fiancé on Tinder and then Lucien has followed that up with, Tinder is for sad people. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think Tinder was probably better when it first started. I think now it's just, you know, get down and dirty and then continue on. Yeah. Right. Well, listen, uh, that's that. Two weeks, apparently. If you're seeing somebody for two weeks you've met off Tinder, you're now morally obliged to delete your Tinder app off your phone. Uh, On the way next, do men 
I should say, do women talk more than men on a daily basis? Apparently, no. Apparently, they do not. And uh, we're going to be speaking to a professor of sociolinguistics, which is just simply how the words and language impacts on people in society. Just about that stereotype, how much men talk, and uh, what the communication styles of men and women in the workplace is, and what that might mean for you as a woman, if you've ever felt as if you've been shouted down, not listened to, not taken seriously, just because you are a woman. And uh, interview with Valerie Friedland, who is a professor of sociolinguistics. That's on the way next here in FM 104. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Long. Cormac and Saoirse here, and this evening we're going to talk sexist stereotypes and just answer us this question when I ask this to you, just straight away. What, what, what answer comes to mind? Who talks more on a daily basis, men or women? And, and no. what, what's your initial reaction? 87 because I will be honest, okay? Yeah. And maybe this is my sexist, ingrained mentality. I would have said that there is no debate about this. It's women. Yeah, I would have probably said the same, and I am a woman, and that's just probably because... Me personally, I love to talk and mm. people have said it to me millions of times that I just don't ever stop talking. But I think that it actually turns out to be the other way around. And I'm not going to lie, I don't like a man that talks too much. I, I like to be with somebody that's a little bit quieter so that I have Can more talk. to say. Yeah. <laughs> right, okay. Well, listen, let us know what you think that is because we may have been operating in a very wrong, misled, uninformed stereotype and bias when it comes to these things. To talk a little bit more about this, she is a professor of sociolinguistics and a director of grad studies over in the English department in the University of Nevada in Reno. We are delighted to welcome on Professor Valerie Friedland. Valerie, how are things? Oh, they're pretty good, and I'm impressed that you said Nevada right. That is that is a, a mouthful for many people in, in the U.S. They often pronounce the name wrong, so uh, kudos to you. I like you already. <laughs> how do they pronounce it? Uh, Nevada. Ah. Nevada. With the A vowel. Uh, I see, that's so my Irish leaking out. Yeah. That uh, gives us that vowel. So when it comes to this stereotype and this kind of generalization about uh, women kind of constantly talking far more than than men, um, is, is this true or are we, we all just being idiots here? Uh, well, I, I'm going to use a nicer word that we're just misinformed, <laughs> okay. I, I think. Uh, but if you'd like to use idiots, I won't stop you. Uh, but yes, we are generally wrong in that assumption. In what way are we wrong? Well, you know, almost every study that's been done has found that it's not actually the case that women talk more. If you look at studies in school contexts, so in classrooms, it's almost always boys that take up more of the conversational floor. They're also called upon more by teachers um, and generally get more of the teacher's attention, um, usually for bad behavior. But mm. any type of behavior, they just get more noticed by teachers. If you look in a business context, and this is where it really starts to count, of course, we also find the same distribution of conversational floor taking where men take the floor much more than women and they also tend to interrupt women at a much higher rate. So in general, these ideas that we have that women talk more are pretty much based on stereotypes about how we think women sound. On that as well, in the work environment, now, myself and Saoirse are, are working from home at the moment, so this hasn't been an issue. But we usually when we're in the office, we have a prep room and there's myself and there's Saoirse and then there's Tara Murray who works on the show before us as well. Uh, and I would say, and this may just be a one-off example, that Saoirse, you and Tara would talk quite a lot when you're left on your own. Yeah, we do talk quite a lot, like to the point where we kind of lose the run of ourselves and we have to be told, you know, to work. Could be two or three <laughs> hours and, and we're still going now, on about what holiday we're going to book. Is, is that because, one, they're friends more so than they're women, and that, but that we just see it through the lens of the, 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 the sex as opposed to anything else? 
That's absolutely right. I think you're hired. That was a very good analysis. Um, yes, actually, well, you know, what we do with stereotypes is we have these ideas that are ingrained in us, often from, you know, a long extensive history of believing the world is a certain way. And so what we tend to notice falls along those lines of whatever stereotype we've learned to believe. And so it draws our attention to those aspects instead of others. So I think that's a really good analysis. You pretty much talk to all your friends. So Cormac, I'm sure when you go out to the pub and you're having a few pints, you probably chat a bit. Am I wrong? I am the biggest bitch in the world. <laughs> just <laughs> constantly, 24-7 going on. No, cause it just reminded me, like, because when, when any of my mates, if they're coming in to work out, as you said, down in the pub, if you're there with your mates, you're obviously not sitting in silence. Right, or you're not really good friends. I mean, that's the go. market. Yeah. <laughs> guys have a lot to share and so that you're talking a lot so I think that's a, a part of the issue is women tend to have a lot of friendships and sometimes friendship differences in the way that men and women have friendships as adults can be part of what leads to the distortion women are often friends in their neighborhoods and uh, maybe have friends over to their houses or friends in the workplace. And so you see that context where you know, we chit chat and we talk about our lives a little more, but that doesn't mean that men don't do it. In fact, I have heard my husband talk sports with his friends at points where I just want to tell him to be quiet. I'm, that's putting it <laughs> politely because they talk about sort of trivial things as well, but we don't call men on that. We call women on it because we've been socialized to believe that what women talk about is gossip or trivial and those kinds of things. That's what I was going to ask you. Is there a preconceived idea that we just, what women have to say for the most part is just nonsense? It goes far back in history. Um, so in fact, I have looked at this idea of women's talk being too much at, at dating back to ancient antiquity. And we find that Roman and Greek philosophers shared much the same opinion about the place of women's talk namely that there wasn't one. Uh, so women can talk in the house and that's fine, but if you go outside of the house in a public domain, then that's just talking too much. And we find that in um, ancient antiquity, we find it in the medieval period where women could actually be prosecuted for something called sins of the tongue, where they were put in this really lovely face clamp called a scold's bridle. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I know a lot of husbands that have joked with me after my article came out on that, that they would love one of those for their wives. Um, I think wives are, are talking to them much. Uh, and so, you know, this is a long history of treating women's talk as uh, non-essential and unimportant, and in some cases even dangerous. That's what I wanted to ask you, I suppose. So, you know, obviously I haven't uh, talked about this in a light enough way, but you've obviously looked at the link between that and then maybe a real-life impact on a woman's life or women as a whole. So what are some of the dangerous impacts that this stereotype and this thousand-year-old opinion of women has had? Well, you know, I think it all builds to this idea that when women are in places where their voices need to be more present, uh, we don't tend to listen to them. And I think it's hard to find a woman in a workplace anywhere that will say that she's never experienced being talked over by others. Um, and I would say men here, but I think women sometimes also treat what women say as unimportant. So I'm not going to just call out men, although men, you know you're out there. But mm -hmm. I think it's a very common experience for women in work environments or in classes to feel like they can't get a word in edgewise or they're not listened to, they're not heard 
when they speak. And of course, this is dangerous because it works two ways. Not only are women unable to get a word in because they don't have an opening to do so, but this also makes them afraid that there'll be a backlash when they do speak up. And a lot of powerful women have said that one of the things that they've noticed in boardroom encounters was that when they did speak up, they felt like that actually was considered inappropriate by the men present. So, you know, there's a double-edged sword for women feeling like they can't speak up. And when they do, feeling like that's looked down upon as well. So it is pretty devastating to women's advancement in workplace settings and also to children that go to school because we find the same types of patterns there. And has it changed at all from the last, say, 15, 20 years? Well, I think it certainly has. You know, if you look at the start of the the equating of uh, women's equality with language, which was really in the 1970s with the publication of a, a book by Robin Lakoff called Language and Women's Place. Um, and, you know, that was sort of the feminist manifesto that women needed mm-hmm. to up speech like a man in order to be heard. And I think what we realize is that that's actually not the case. We don't need to talk like men. We need to have this recognition that what we say is, is important. And women don't necessarily adopt a completely different style than men, but they've been forced over time to perhaps have different strategies to be heard because when you're not listened to, you have to do more to get attention to your speech. So you might have to put flags in there, like discourse markers, such as you know and like, or I mean, those kinds of things where we're flagging something that we're saying is important. We also might need to ask questions to get responses. So we start conversations. So these are not signs of weakness, which is what I think a lot of times in early literature they were treated as. And I I think we are growing to appreciate the fact that that management style can actually be quite effective because it is a little more interested in getting everybody involved the conversation. So if you are a manager and you have people to manage, I think rather than insulting them, it's nice to include them. So I think there has been a growing recognition that women's styles can be very effective in managerial kinds of contexts. Oh, it's all very interesting. Like, I don't see in our workplace, I wouldn't see, um, you know, men being more dominant in their speech than women, would you? Uh, no comment. No, <laughs> uh, no, but I, I wanted to ask you just in relation to that as well. I don't know what your thoughts are on, um, you know, the big five personality traits that a lot of psychologists will lean on and, and talk about openness and agreeableness and, and stuff like that. Um, I don't know, women or what I've heard or read that on average women might be more agreeable uh, and would be less likely to kind of ruffle some feathers in the workplace. And does that kind of compound it or is that because of necessarily they feel as if they've been shunned and can't even get a foot forward in the workplace? Well, I think you obviously don't know the same women that I do. <laughs> I No, I'm kidding. I have a lot of very agreeable friends. Yeah. Uh, both. Men. You know, I think part of the idea that women are more agreeable stems from maybe a different style conversationally that ha- they have. And, you know, this is where we get into these kind of associations that we get stereotypically with the way that we speak. So I might say something like, I'm sorry that happened. Uh, as a woman, they, there's a lot of, of talk about how women apologize too much. But mm. the fact that I might be sympathizing with something that happened doesn't mean that I actually really care. Uh, it might just mean that I, I want you to know that, okay, I'm recognizing that that hurt you or that was inappropriate or something bad happened, but now let's get down to business. So I, I think there's a lot of misinterpretation that women's style is more agreeable. I think that just we've been socialized in order to interact in a positive and fruitful way that we have to adopt certain types of speech features um, like maybe being inclusive in our pronouns. So instead of saying, I'm going to do that, 
say something like, let's do this. Um, that doesn't mean we're more agreeable. That just means we've been beaten down by a long history of having to adopt our speech to the right patterns of male dominance. Um, so I think you could look at it either way. I don't necessarily think that women are more agreeable than men. Did you find oh. anything else when you were kind of looking through this type of study? Well, I, you know, there actually is some interesting literature on interruptions as well um, and how women also face a backlash when they're in powerful positions. So, for example, Hillary Clinton during the last presidential election, uh, when they do adopt a more, I said, maybe a less agreeable speech style, if you want to build on what Cormac was saying, that they're actually not well liked. So that there's this double standard for women that to be successful like men in the workplace, they need to be less agreeable, less inclusive, um, a little more forceful in their speech. But at the same time, basically, that paints them as... Uh, as Cormac put it, a bitch. And so there, there is this problem of perception for women. And, and the same thing with voice. If we adopt a really high voice pitch, that's considered more attractive. Studies support that vocal attractiveness for women is a higher pitch voice rather than a lower pitch voice. But it's also rated as not competent and not credible and not trustworthy when you speak in a high pitch voice in a business context. So again, we have this double standard of wanting to be attractive by using a feminine voice, but wanting to be successful and adopting a lower pitch voice. So I know this has led to women actually shifting to a lower pitch voice over time. In a um, really interesting study in Australia, looking back at archival recordings of women from the early 1900s to today, they found that women's voice pitch had dropped quite a bit over that time, probably because of this pressure to be taken more seriously. And of Weird. course, think of Mark Although you say that, what's the woman's name from that Tyrannos company? She uh, got herself in a little bit of trouble. Um, oh, yeah. She dressed like Steve Jobs and uh, she lowered her voice and then one or two interviews she was caught out what is her name blonde woman she was going well, to have I a, think about, but I can't recall her name neither Just can I that's going to do my head in not yeah, the way you yeah. want to be. <laughs> no, not at all. Seriously, deepen your voice there. Let's have a listen to your... your, you know your... Though, I think I have quite a deep voice for a girl. I don't think I have a high-pitched voice. Like, this <laughs> is something that I have I have actually noticed throughout the years. I remember being in school wishing my voice was a little bit higher. I just always felt it was kind of, I'm not going to say deeper, but like a little bit kind of stronger than other girls I would have been friends with. And... I Cormac wins in the voice pitch category. I think his is higher. Yeah, he, he does tend to <laughs> break his voice now and again, don't you? You're kind Puberty's of coming any day now, Saoirse. <laughs> Puberty's coming any day now, and then we will develop, uh, and all will be good with the world. But uh, listen, um, Professor, it's a fascinating, um, complicated area, and I'd imagine uh, it's very, very detailed and nuanced, but for a woman who might be listening to this now who has unfortunately, frustratingly experienced everything you have just mentioned, that maybe she's in an office or a work environment where she's shouted down, she's constantly interrupted and people are not taking her seriously. Maybe the men and other women aren't taking her seriously and she's just <laughs> got this rage building inside of her. Um, what would be your advice to how, how to navigate, manage that kind of situation and setting? Well, I think there's two different approaches. One is from a woman's perspective. Well, I as a, a linguist, I don't like to tell people people how they should speak. I would rather yeah. look at how people actually speak um, because I recognize the value in all different styles. But 
in reality, if you're trying to work in that workplace, you might have to adjust your speech slightly depending on what the norms of engagement are wherever you are. So, mm. you know, one thing to actually take opportunity to speak when, when turns are available. So when a boss comes in and says something like, so what, what is, are the ideas? A lot of times women are not the first to speak up there, but women should be because that's a way to claim the floor early. But even if you bring up an idea, another problem is a lot of times men will hijack the idea or other people hijack the idea not necessarily intentionally they'll just be following up on it and so it comes across at the end people remember that they were the ones with that idea so if you have an idea make sure you don't just start with the idea you end with the idea so you bring the conversation back around to hey bob glad you liked my idea so what are we going to do right you need <laughs> like to make that. sure cool. that you ha have the last word so don't just be the first word be the last word maybe watch a little bit how you couch your ideas so uh, just like you were saying women are seen as agreeable it often comes across as uncertainty when that's really not what women intend. So when a woman says, oh, I think blah, 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 they're not really saying they're not sure about what they're, they're doing. They just are trying to be polite not to force their ideas on you. So in a business setting, maybe you don't say I think, say something like I suggest or my idea is just to make sure it's clear that you're not uncertain about what you want to do. Mm -hmm. And I think this also can make you more visible when promotions come around, because if you're not talking, then people aren't hearing what you might have to add. It's very good advice. There we go. Oh. We're all taking notes now. I'm even going to mm. use some of those. Make sure no one steals my idea. I'll be like, no, 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 Kevin, that's me. Thank you very much. We'll wrap this up. Don't go stealing people's ideas and stealing people's credits uh, for what they're doing. But uh, Professor, listen, we really appreciate you uh, coming on and sharing your time with us this evening on Info because we could probably talk for hours and hours about this but um, we do appreciate you coming on uh, do you have a website or any social media handles that you'd like to give a quick mention to before we let you go I actually I write for Psychology Today uh, my column's called Language in the Wild so you can just look up Valerie Friedland or Language in the Wild and read some of my articles there and if you're interested in hearing a lot from me I have a great courses um, lecture series available really pretty much on any media outlet mm. such as um, Apple, iTunes, and things like that called Language and Society through the great courses. So if you, that's a long series, so you better like a lot of me for that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. Lovely. Well, listen, uh, Valerie Friedland, thanks a million for speaking with us here this evening, and we will chat to you again soon. Sure, it was a great time. Thank you. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Long. A great song. Um, thanks for all the messages that came in. We were just chatting there with Prof Professor uh, Friedland about uh, uh, men talk as much as women in the workplace, apparently. And lo look at the sexist messages we get in. Women talk more nonsense. It's just because women talk more shite. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN.
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. And then she likes to talk. <laughs> Don't know how you feel about that. How are we ever going to the lads only messing. equality? I know, I know you're messing. Look, I put my hands up. I probably talk more than you, Cormac, on a given day. Yeah. It's tough. Tough the top, you're just in the top 1% of your and performers. It, it's funny, actually, you know, when we ever have people that will come into the studio that might listen to the show and be dropping in something or collecting something, and we always go down to greet them and say hello, I usually stay there for three hours, and you, you give do. 10 minutes of your time, and I've, then you're, I've, you're I've done, done. I've done the first hour of the show on my own, because Saoirse's down with someone at the reception. <laughs> I'm like, seriously, you're going to have to, can I just cut in here, Saoirse, and just drag you away. We've got to do our job. I, know, I, can't, I can't stop, though. I'm usually the last person to leave anywhere. You know, I'm the person that sits there in someone's house while they're yawning oh, no. and putting on their pyjamas. And they're oh, like, oh, no. yeah, I just have to get up really early tomorrow. And then I go on a big rant about this one time that I had to get up early and just don't get the hint. <laughs> I never get the hint. Right. <laughs> Right, well, 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 there you go. Um, women talk just as much as men. I should say men talk just as much as women. And it is a stereotype backed up by data and science that women talk more than men on a daily basis. So there you go. On the way next, we're going to play out the call that we de- gave to uh, the Guardian newspaper or media outlet, I should say, a little bit earlier on. Um, you might have seen today normal people's Paul Meskel, who plays Connell in the series, uh, the Guardian and several other news outlets over in the United Kingdom said that he was British. Now, last time I checked, we're not part of the United Kingdom, haven't been for a long time, but it, it appears as this, none of the UK news outlets know that the Republic of Ireland is not part of the UK. None of them seem to know that Paul Meskel is in fact Irish. So we found their confidential, we found their confidential tip line. Uh, we would rang it up with some serious, serious information to give them that uh, one, Ireland is not in the UK, and two, Paul Meskel is not British, he is Irish. We'll play that out for you next FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalon. Today, the Brits were at it again. Yeah, what are they doing know. now? I know exactly what they're doing now. It was all over the news. Yeah, so you might have seen this earlier on. Normal People's Paul Mescalou plays Connell in the amazingly uh, uh, unbelievable series Normal People, right? He's been nominated for an Emmy. And... <clears throat> the UK media outlets, including the apparently reputable Guardian, decided to say that Paul Meskel from Normal People was British. Now, we have not been part of the United Kingdom for quite a long time, and I would say at, deep down in our hearts, we were never part of the United Kingdom. We never wanted them here, and we got rid of them, most of them, for most of the places anyway. So we decided to try and fix this, and for once, tell the British media that, one, they're morons, but two that uh, one Paul Mescal is actually Irish and the Republic is not part of the United Kingdom. So what we did was we found the contact number, the confidential tip line for The Guardian. If you have important information to expose to topple governments and expose scams, and if you're a whistleblower, this is the number that you call. And then you speak to somebody and you tell them the serious information that you have. So what we did was we leaked the information to them 
about Paul Meskel and about the Republic of Ireland because it's clear to us that no British news outlet has any idea what they're on about. They've never heard of this before. This is breaking news to them. We rang the Guardian's confidential line and had a, a shared some important information with them and it will just we'll play this call and let you know how we get on. Good afternoon. Thanks for calling the Guardian Observer. I have some sensitive information in relation to a story that was published on your website today. I'm just wondering if I would be able to speak to a reporter or journalist about it. I have one moment. Let's try the news desk for you. Just a moment, please. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, the Guardian. Uh, hi, I have some sensitive information in relation to a story that you published on your website today that I don't think any other British news organisation has, and I'm wondering if I could speak to someone who might be able to uh, handle this confidentially and properly and securely. What's the story? Is this call secure? I mean, I don't know how it works. You're patched through from our switchboard. I, I'm no IT expert. If you give me the uh, journalist that wrote the article, I can put you in touch with them, possibly. Um, I, I can't just... Got yeah. it in- um, I, I can't see, sorry, just I haven't got it in front of me. I'm in a bit of a rush. I'm doing this and work and I'm kind of a little bit panicked because um, I think it's pretty serious yeah. information. Yeah. I, I can kind of give you... Do you, did you um, know the, the headline? or? Yeah, um, it, it's in relation to um, Paul Meskel. He, he's actually Irish and I don't think anyone knows that. Okay, Paul... Mesco? He's just a normal person. Oh. A huge story today that went out that said he, he was British, but I don't think anyone in the UK knows that. He, he's actually Irish, and, and in 1922 we, we had a war with the British and got you out of the country, and we got 26 counties back, but I just don't think any uh, UK or news organisation has actually realised that oh, okay. the UK anymore. And I'm just wondering if you could maybe do a, a story on that, how, how Paul Mesco is in fact shockingly Irish. Okay. Well, uh, you want me to just pass that on? Or do you want to... Is there, uh, is there, like, details um, with is there is there like some sort of uh, investigative team that might be able to look into this for the Guardian so they could maybe do a, a detailed undercover report on on realising that um, the Republic of Ireland left the UK several years ago? Right. Okay. And that Paul Meskel is is, is Irish and, and not British. Okay. Right. Um, do you want me to give story. you some? Yeah. Do you want me to uh, put you in touch with someone? Do you want, do you want me to just po- pass this on? Or? If you could just pass that on, maybe, and then um, maybe one of your teams could take it from there and, and break it. You're okay. The first news organisation in the UK to break that story. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. There we go. We did our bit. We tried our best. And uh, if you want to try and what we're going to try and do is is get this. Uh, information to Paul Meskel himself. Let him know that we have his back and that when the British media want to start acting the maggot that uh, we have him looked after. So if you go on to either uh, F104's Instagram or Twitter, you can find that full video call there and you can just tag him. He's at Paul Meskel on Instagram, but Meskel Paul on Twitter. So let him know. We, we have his back. He's been looked after. We finally exposed the British media outlets to information and knowledge and history that they've never been made aware of before, that Ireland is not actually, in fact, in the United Kingdom. Happy days. So uh, we'll try and share that around and get that to the attention of Paul if you want to help out. Happy days, 104's Twitter. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Long.
Uh, Amy sent in a picture of a beautiful Irish flag out in Dunleary Harbour. She says, I'm being very patriotic this evening. I took this an hour ago. Very, very nice. The flag flying over Dublin. If you want to continue helping us out here this evening on FM 104 and on Room 104 being uh, patriotic, we uh, if you check out FM 104's Instagram or if you check out FM 104's Twitter, go tag Paul Meskell in the video of us tipping off the Guardian that he is in fact Irish and not British and tipping them off to the fact that the Republic of Ireland isn't in the United Kingdom I mean it's news to them because they came out and said that Paul Meskell was British uh, so they've listened they've a lot of education to catch up on so if you want to do that um, tag, tag Paul Meskell Meskell let him know that we, we have us back here on FM 104 and over in Dublin and, and do you know you what we should more. do we should maybe put his face on the Irish flag but then isn't there something about defacing the flag I think that might be technically illegal. Oh, really? Oh. I know you see the football matches the whole time. Davy Kyo says hello and the like. I, but I think it might be. I stand corrected. Apparently, and I, I think it may be technically legally illegal to do anything to the flag. I stand corrected. If you know more about that, you can let us know. But if you've ever wanted to go viral on the internet, whether via your YouTube or your TikTok or your Instagram, a gentleman... Uh, in the last two weeks, he's gotten a million and a half views. He got like 700,000 views in a matter of days for doing something. You can do it. You don't need any fancy equipment. It could become the new trend. Uh, and I'll tell you exactly how you can go viral using the strangest method that anyone has ever gone viral before. I will tell you about that now. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Long. It's Cormac and Saoirse here on Room 104. How would you like to go viral on the interweb? I'd love to go viral. I've wanted to go viral for ages, but um, I just didn't think of anything that would be worthwhile doing that yeah. might appeal to people to then go viral. You know, there's trends. There was that Harlem Shake. That was a thing. There's now this new trend on TikTok, the Taylor Swift Disco Lines remix thing that everyone's doing at the moment. Yeah. There's um, a lot of different trends that, that kick off and certain things go viral and certain things don't. And it's the, the holy grail of marketing as well. Like, we... we Obviously, work with marketing and salespeople here, and they're always trying to find something that will make good content that will stand out from the crowd. I've worked with other salespeople, not in, F, in, in FM 104, of course, but other um, uh, sales idiots who will be like, we should do a viral video. And you're like, shut up. That's just not how it works. You do a video and it might go viral. And we've sold the client a viral video. Have you? And you haven't even recorded it yet. Wow. Okay. That'll be fun. Anyway. Has that happened? Oh, all the time. Well, you know, these idiots, they think that we'll sell you a viral video. You've no sell idea whether that video, video is going to be shared around uh, at all. Um, you know, because anyway, that's a debate for a different day. What, um, what has come to light is it can be very difficult coming up with ideas. You know, if you're a vlogger, if you are uh, an Instagrammer and you've run out of pictures of your hole to put on, on the internet, what do you do next? So it can be tough coming up with regular content to engage your audience. One gentleman has created a video, he's posted it on YouTube, and it has gotten 1.5 million views in the last uh, in the last couple of days, last couple of weeks. And he's doing something very peculiar for two hours and 20 minutes. What's he doing? Nothing. What do you mean he's doing nothing? He's doing nothing. Hey, is, he, is he sitting down, scratching his head? Is he sitting on a toilet? No, no, no. He's sitting on the ground in front of a mattress in a fairly dingy-looking room staring at the camera, doing absolutely nothing for two hours and 20 minutes straight. And why is he doing that? I don't know why, but he's done it and it's gone viral for him doing nothing. 1.5 million views. Stop it. There you go. People so, you know are what? so weird. 
I think, but I think it's it's probably isn't it the exact opposite of what people have been doing. Everyone is trying to do the next most shocking thing, do the most exciting thing, doing the next most dangerous thing, the funniest thing, all of that stuff. And this guy is just like, what is the complete opposite of trying? It's taking not trying to the extreme. And for two hours and twenty minutes, he sat, stared at the camera, didn't say nothing, didn't move, didn't do a thing. And people were apparently fascinated by this. It is kind of fascinating in a really creepy way. I mean, people are interested in watching people do normal things. So if he's just sitting there doing nothing, it's going to be intriguing. Like, I often think, you know, when someone is putting up a story on Instagram, and I'm not saying an influencer, I'm just talking about someone who, I don't know, was doing some kind of challenge or even just someone you know, maybe, that just decided to get on Instagram and do a, a food shop or something. It's just interesting to watch people live life like they normally would, not putting on a show or being fake on camera. So I can kind of see the appeal in that. Well, as I said, this is, this is supposed isn't his, his daily life. He's literally doing nothing. I mean, it would probably be incredibly difficult to sit down and do nothing for two hours. I could can do you it. Imagine, seriously, seriously, you not talking for two hours. Yeah. That will be tricky. I say I do it, but I mean, honestly, like when I'm here, I'm talking to the cat. There you go. So I'm at, no, there's no cat. There's no nothing. He got 1.5 million views just sitting, staring at a camera, doing absolutely nothing. So, I mean, maybe we're going to start pitching this into sales and go, right, lads, we have uh, <coughs> we have a video idea. A video but idea. Hang on a a viral video idea. It reminds and me I'm going to do nothing. Remember the site that you got me to log into where you just basically go on and stare at somebody? A stranger. You oh, don't talk, you don't say anything, you don't communicate. that was weird. That was weird. So it's kind of like that, isn't it? Well, you see, at least that one was live. So that website Stacia was on about was, um, I found a website where it'll randomly, it's kind of like chat roulette except without the, the willy pictures, it basically randomly pairs you with someone on the other side of the world and all you're meant to do is stare into each other's eyes for like 60 seconds. That's and it's it. so hard. Yeah, no talking, no nothing. You just stare at each other. I can't remember the name of the website, but it's meant to be healing because there's some there's some guy now. This guy has to be a charlatan. This guy has to be an absolute. He's a genius for being able to put it off, and I think he's been over here as well. But he's like a healer. He's a he's a guru, a faith healer, and he comes over to Ireland and he does these talks. He doesn't sorry, he doesn't even do these talks, but he just comes out to a room full of people and stares at them. That's all he does. He stands on stage for like 15 minutes and he's giving his energy into the room while you've handed over your money to him beforehand and he'll just stare at everyone and people start crying and breaking down and they're like oh, I can feel his energy I can... you're like you're an idiot anyway maybe it's something similar like that this guy's literally just and, and sorry that's what the other website was like you're meant to just stare into somebody's eyes for uh, you know for a few minutes on end and that's meant to give you a, a warm fuzzy feeling and make, make, make heal you this guy's doing something maybe similar and I imagine yeah, it would be very very difficult to do to do nothing for two, nearly two and a half hours. Yeah, it's intimidating though, isn't it? Is but he like going to pay for this? Live or anything. You know, they, I said they just recorded this for two hours. At least a live thing, you're kind of like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen. Oh, is he going to do something? And there's a little bit of anticipation there. This is just a pre-recorded video. He's two hours doing nothing and good luck. See you, bye. That's I it. know, but people probably thought maybe something was going to happen. Yeah, maybe. And then but nothing happened. Go. And then you just have this empty feeling. I mean, is he going to get money for that video? Um, the vi- I don't, I don't, the video, there might be ads running on the video, so they might be making some money off the ads. 
the, the channel, by the way, if you want to have a look at this, it's kind of difficult to find. The video name, I think it is in... It is either Thailand or India. I think it looks like it's Thai. The web, the, the YouTube channel it is on is Sobat Miskin Official. So S-O-B-A-T, Sobat Miskin, M-I-S-K-I-N Official. So just search for that, Sobat Miskin Official. It's got about 24,000 subscribers because uh, there's loads of copies of the video that have po- popped up on uh, YouTube. But the original one... <clears throat> Thousands of comments, 17,000 comments, 1.5 million views, and just him doing absolutely nothing. I tell you, I want to pitch this in to sales and go, guys, great idea. We'll just uh, do a video, two hours, me doing nothing, and we'll get millions of views, and we'll get a sponsor. Let's not, let's not overthink this. Let's not yeah. overthink this. Yeah? God. See, I'm now intrigued, and I want to watch that video. This is it, isn't it? Here's the thing, right? I'd say if Nobby jumped on a Facebook Live tomorrow on, on Facebook and for three hours just sat there staring at the camera, one, people would probably think he's lost his mind and be worried for him. But two, they'd be like, what's he at? Yeah, of course they would. Or you'd definitely be tuning back in and out to, to see if... Anything's changed. Yeah. Yeah. You would. Genius marketing. It's going to be like the, the longest stare-off challenge. Now, I know Nobby wouldn't be able to do that because he's got several young kids I could hear in the background when I was talking to him earlier on pulling out yeah. of him. He'd probably love that. If I told Nobby, Nobby, you're going to sit in silence for two hours, he'd just start crying, I'd say. But, uh, yeah, maybe. It's just something odd, something weird. Yeah, definitely. Hmm? Hmm, maybe we should try it. We could do a stare-off. Yeah, a live stare-off. I think I'd break it very first. quickly. Uh, you know what? Yeah, would. there you go. So listen, there you go. Don't be over overthinking things if you're trying to come up with hashtag content because you're a content creator. Don't be overthinking it. Do nothing for two hours. Just record it. And there you go. You're going to have the most views you've ever had in your entire life. Now, obviously, people are going to copy this and it might be successful. But that is that. The, the web address there again or the YouTube channel for that is Sobat Miskin Official. And you can check that out. Man doing absolutely nothing. It'll be interesting. Oh, here's what's going to happen now. The reaction videos to this YouTube video. So people are going to see, record themselves trying to watch a two-hour, 20-minute video of someone doing nothing. That's, that's we're, we're taking it up a notch now, right? But uh, we're, we're pretty much. Uh, I know, it's getting too meta now, isn't it? It's getting a bit too meta and too mm. confusing. Anyway, before we wrap up this evening, go, let's support the Irish, let's support Paul Meskel, go tag him in our video on Instagram and on Twitter where we tell The Guardian that he's actually Irish and uh, the Republic of Ireland isn't in the United Kingdom because they still need to know that even though they're meant to be a reputable newspaper. So go tag him. Let him know that we have his back. We'll be back tomorrow night from 9 o'clock. Shows will be up on the Room 104 podcast. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Long. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.